You are listening to Female, a podcast by women for people. Welcome to Female, a podcast by women for people. My name is Hannah. And my name is Emma. And welcome to our first ever podcast. Yeah, this is crazy. Which we've recorded, if, um, well, once before, but I sounded like I was in a toilet, didn't I? <laughs> we've had to do it we've had to start again which is fine that's okay though it's a bit of a learning curve for us let's face it we've not done this before so uh yeah there's there's been a few teething issues but hey what the hell what the hell (laughs) liz is coming out in 2021 (laughs) not 2022 well yeah yeah who knows who knows with all the delays in the world right now um so on our first um introduction to podcasting on our first podcast uh, we thought we'd talk about mental health in 2021 and what that looks like now that's quite a big undertaking for a first podcast if you ask me because actually the amount of notes I've written down for this is mad um all is endless isn't it it can just tether off into different areas I mean I, I think some of the things that we'll probably touch on today you know the the fallout from from the pandemic um, you can't talk about mental health in 2021 and not talk about that um social media um I was thinking the, the fallout from the Megan and Piers saga yeah that's what tri- that's what triggered this topic for us wasn't it when we watched that when we watched that interview and his his comments about it as well. Yeah, I think it really was, yeah. And then mental health um, in terms of um, female safety as well. And then obviously there's a huge, the huge impact um, of the, the horrific murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement as well and how that has kind of taken off in a way that perhaps it hadn't before so i mean there is so much that we can talk about i don't even know where we begin but we will begin let's begin where shall we begin where we'll we'll begin with the obvious topic of um lockdown lockdown Lockdown. oh my god lockdown it's been a it's been it's been a year already hasn't it now yep yep um happy lockdown anniversary given that we are recording this the day after the 23rd of March, which was the day in 2020 where we, the UK officially went into lockdown. Um, and I just, I mean, my God, what a year it's been. Um, oh, what an insane year it's been. We've I've barely seen people, I think, for the best part of a year. I've got friends I haven't seen for well over a year. And, and I think I've seen my family maybe once in that time once since since lockdown i saw them once and that was on my wedding day last september and you, yeah you had you had a lockdown wedding didn't you i did a covid yeah. wedding bizarre covid wedding um yeah my sister i haven't seen her for about a year so my sister my nieces uh, my really close friends i haven't seen um literally my my best friend by force has been my 2 year old <laughs> I don't know if she's happy about that, but... (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I I can definitely relate to that. And I think, I just think there's, it's just been such a bizarre year because we've really just been completely going against our natural, our natural behaviours as human beings. You know, our natural instincts are at times a trouble to, to group together with the people that we care about, to support one another, to be able to go and give your friends a hug, to to be there. And actually, we've had we've been forced to work against that in a way which is completely abnormal. But then I think the fallout from that is that we've all become, well, I say we've all become, I'm vastly generalising here, but I can certainly 
only speak for myself in saying that it's kind of given me a fear of normality and a fear of coming out of lockdown because obviously we're now at a point where we're approaching well what hopefully will be the you know the beginning of the end uh, yeah um i mean obviously there's always fatalistic headlines about covid um, vaccination shortages and you know holidays potentially being banned um, in Europe until autumn and five thousand pound fines if you leave the country and all that kind of thing so there's only there's only so much hope I guess you can allow yourself to have but um, I've kind of got this now fear of, of life going back to 100 miles an hour and I don't I don't think I really want that a lot of a lot of people have said that yeah a lot of people have said that as well like a few of my friends have said um it's going to be weird because I guess by the fact that we're human, where we are creatures of a habit. So it's like we've become so used to this now. It's because it's become our new normal. Like it has become our new normal not to go out and socialize, not to like I don't feel strange about it. I'll go out, I'll spend the whole day just me and my aunt and like the people in my family that I live with. Um doesn't feel weird not seeing my friends anymore it doesn't feel weird not sitting in a coffee shop or if anything it's more instinctual I go out I don't stand next to people I'll find an empty space whereas humans by nature we want to congregate together we want to have a little chat we want to I don't hardly make as many phone calls as I used to um it's just weird I don't know how to describe it I think there's a thing um that I've read about called lockdown burnout as well, where I think you kind of almost become at a point where you become a bit tired of socialising over Zoom. You're sick of sitting there on a video with people. You're um, you're kind of tired of... It's almost like an exhaustion that's related to being sociable. And actually, I've, I've read about it and there are times when I kind of think, oh, I just kind of want to be left alone. But then I think, well, that's actually quite dangerous in itself because then you become become very inward looking, inward thinking and and can be very become very focused on, okay, what works for you? But what about other people as well? They might need you. So it's, oh, it's, it's, it's difficult because, you know, there's the fear that then it's kind of creating a whole load of agoraphobes. Um, people who don't really want to go out again. And I feel safe within the confines of my four walls. And it's not to say that I don't want to see people, but I, I know where I'm at where I'm when I'm here and I'm at home. And I think when this with this virus being such an unknown and you never know who it's going to strike. And, you know, obviously there's, there's at-risk groups, but then I've heard of people who've had friends who are the same age as me, 37, who have ended up on ventilators. I know people my age that have, like, passed away from COVID. Like, no no prior um, health conditions or anything. Weren't on a, like, high-risk category or anything like that. And they have passed away. Or even that guy, there was ages ago, that story of that guy that had done an um, anti-COVID party, like, some Instagram guy, I can't remember his name, because he was so like, yeah, this is bullshit, it doesn't exist. And then he died. <laughs> from covid after his huge party yeah you should never take these things for granted so it would seem so it's there's there's obviously that huge fallout and i guess there will probably be a huge hangover from that because there's been a lot of people who've been affected in very different ways be it people who worked on the front line who may have extreme PTSD as a result of everything they've had to deal with, um, you know, working for the NHS, dealing with COVID patients um, firsthand, or whether it's people who have lived alone and have felt extremely isolated and become very depressed as a result of that. Yeah, people who have lost their jobs. But yeah, people who have lost their jobs, people who are struggling to feed their kids. People on furlough, yeah. I can say I'm extremely lucky to be on furlough. 
I'm I'm very grateful for the fact that I've got my um my a salary coming in every month, even if it's not my full salary. I'm very very lucky and appreciative of that. But then at the same time, it's difficult to know. Um, from my perspective, I feel there are times when. I've really struggled with a lack of purpose and especially in January in the January lockdown the weather was rubbish you can't really go and do anything can't see anyone the days when my son was in nursery I definitely felt like I although on the one hand it's like great you've got three child free days you lucky cow yeah of course I totally see that but then sometimes on those days I'm like what do I do with myself because actually what is my purpose right now and you start getting a bit depressed and kind of feeling like this is not where I wanted to for me personally this is not where I wanted to be two years after having my son I'd gone back to work I wanted to be full-time now that's one of the big problems like people just waking up they're doing the same thing like they're wake. I'm just thinking of examples of like people that I know they just wake up um they're not leaving their house to go to work they just wake up go to the bathroom get a cup of coffee, come back to their room, sit down, work. Their lunch break is at home, work. When they finish work, it's, what do I do? Should I watch a show? Shall I read? Shall I? It's just the same and knowing that the next day is going to be the same. The next day is going to be the same. Because um, we use activities and outings and coffee dates cinema whatever whatever you do to socialize as your distraction as a way to break out of your home no one wants to be in their home 24 7 just following the same routine over and over again and i think that's it's really difficult but i think especially for people who live alone because although you might your loved ones might, might drive you up the wall at times um you know and having a toddler at home during lockdown is not the easiest as I know you all know um (laughs) but I mean it's at least having someone else there does make a difference I think I would have really struggled had I been completely on my own I think I would have struggled if I hadn't had Jack actually if I hadn't had my son to distract me especially through the first um set of furlough that I was on um was about three or four months and my son wasn't at nursery for all that time so I actually had that purpose of seven days a week I was dealing with him um now obviously by the time he went back to to nursery I was more than glad that he was going back to nursery but it you know and luckily I went back to work then too so it was you know I had something for me I had something where my brain was being stimulated but yeah I just think the monotony of it is also really difficult not to become very sad and hopeless about um but I mean obviously there were there's always there's always upsides and downsides to everything so I guess that's the way you kind of have to see it because you know something like um something like social media like TikTok was probably really good for a lot of people during the lockdowns because there were all these you know funny silly videos that people were posting there was that song by the weekend that everyone was doing the dance routine to and posting up on tiktok and just silly things that people could do at home that could cheer themselves they could cheer themselves up they could share with their friends you know stupid stuff like that um which actually i think is where social media can play a positive part in our lives you know if it's something like that that can bring people together and can make people feel less lonely at a time in a time of need and i think that's a great side to it or even the community the community um orchestras or community sing-alongs you know they do like um zoom videos of like as if it was like one huge band playing together like there is a lot of unity in social media and i think if we had gone through this without having social media we would be a whole lot more isolated um 
not knowing what to do with ourselves, even not maybe not knowing the full impact it has on other people. Yeah, yeah. No, I totally agree with you. And I think I think that's where I'm grateful that we've got it. And also, I mean, not just necessarily social media, but also technology. So where we've had Zoom, where we've got FaceTime. Imagine having, being able to, or imagine living through this pandemic um, without any of that. With dial-up. Yeah, but even without the internet, without with any of this kind of... Um, <laughs> without any of this kind of technology, which means that we can see people face to face. So if you can't be with someone, you can actually still see them. So it's enabled um, my son's grandparents to see him, um, for us to all to see each other. So even if we can't all be together, you know, we had we had like a virtual, we had a Zoom birthday party for, for my son back in November. Um, you know, we got his birthday cake and then just got everyone on Zoom to sing him happy birthday and that kind of thing. And it was, it's not the same, but at least you've got that because I think... It's not the same, but if you didn't have that... Exactly. It'll be a whole, I think it'll be a whole lot worse. So I think that's, I think that's where things like technology and social media are really, are really positive. But then unfortunately, there's the dark side of it, which, which is still always going to be there. And I think you've got these, I mean, I read yesterday about um, a new app that has been developed for which is targeted at young people, um, which helps them to kind of um, touch up their bodies, to make their waist smaller, to make their hips bigger, to make their boobs look bigger, um, to smooth out their legs, um, I guess to change their skin tone. But it's an app that's specifically, um, that is specifically aimed at young people. And it's basically, which is extremely dangerous because if you think about um, young people, especially young girls, I think are particularly vulnerable to things that um, things like eating disorders or inf the um, the influence of inf influencers. I can't think of a better way of saying that really. But actually, you know, you've got all these influencers online who who are showing off these luxury lifestyles, who are who have had their boobs done, who have had their teeth done, who have had their lips done. You know, these people are online and are kind of almost held up as that's the ideal of how you should look. And I think when you're a young girl, particularly, that's really, really dangerous. There's, um, I think I've told you about this before, there's that um, test that they were doing on, I think it was on TikTok, which was the, the earphones test where you yeah, wrap. Yeah. It's the test to wrap um, a pair of Apple earphones around your waist twice. I don't think I could even get it around my waist once. So I couldn't get it around my what? thigh. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Anything. I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, but are young people okay with that? So that that is where I think it's really dangerous. And, you know, you've said to me before that I think we're lucky that we grew up in the age that we did because we know... We know the diff where why yeah we know the diff like I have Instagram I don't have TikTok I did try it I just I didn't understand it <laughs> <laughs> me neither I don't get it I tried and I was like really am I that old that I don't understand how to use TikTok I didn't even know how to work it no I all I could do was swipe up and just watch people's videos but I didn't know how to make them I thought do people actually sit there for like half an hour to um rehearse a dance or a specific lip sync just so they could record that 30 seconds of video it's like i haven't got time for that probably probably because i've seen girls i've seen girls in the park rehearsing it i've seen them rehearsing little dance routines like a group of three or four girls over the summer i think when uh. people were allowed to do that <laughs> and these girls doing it and they they had a phone on like a tree and i was like they're doing a tiktok and i kind of thought felt kind of quite pleased with myself because i knew what i knew what they were doing i was like oh, yeah i'm down i know <laughs> I'll go on Instagram and I'll put a filter up 
but I know that's not my face and I'm just like you know what I look pretty I look pretty shit today I've got really dark eyes let me put a filter up just while I put something up but I know it's a filter and if anyone says anything to me I'm like yeah I'm glowing because it's a filter like whereas they like we know the difference and we're okay with how we we're okay with looking at ourselves in the mirror then they're not do you think that's because of the age we grew up in we grew up without it partially yeah I think it is I think it's because we haven't had it and I think it's also because we we've never had these um we've never been saturated so much with another woman on the internet on social media on Facebook on Snapchat telling us this is beauty like this is this is how you should look like there wasn't that level of media everywhere yeah it's kind of absolutely everywhere you look isn't it it's advertising it's social media it's newspapers it's tv whereas with us i guess there was a far more limited number of media out um methods of media that could kind of push that on you like i worry about like my daughter when when she grows up like even from now she's only two and I'm telling her, you're beautiful, you're kind, you're proud, you're brave, you're amazing. Like, I'm making sure she knows these things. And also, I'm keeping my phone away from her as much as possible. But I know when she's older, she's going to go on there and she's going to see, she's going to see like a Kylie Jenner, she's going to see a Kim Kardashian type. They, everyone looks the same now. Everyone looks, I've seen so many people looking like um, Kim Kardashian. I want her to know that, number one, these people have had plastic surgery. Number two, their face is not that smooth. Their face has bumps. They they have lines under their eyes. Like these things exist. Their their hair they got a bit of grey hair. Their hair is grey. They've got a hairdresser that comes to their house and does the hair for them. Like they have all of these things. That's why they look like that. And yeah. False eyelashes. Tattooed eyebrows. Like it's endless now. It does make me think, though, um, of actually one of the really well-known influencers who came out of um, the show Love Island, Molly Mae Haig, I think her name is. She um, has recently really kind of done a bit of an about turn. Now, I don't know if you've seen this, but she's had her... She had something done on her teeth. Now, I can't remember what it's called. But it wasn't veneers, but it was kind of like a step down from veneers. She's had that removed. She's had her lip fillers taken out. Um, and she's kind of trying to go back to a more natural way of being. And I think that, look, ev everyone is entitled to kind of look and do what they want to do for themselves. And if you feel like, yeah, but also if you feel like... Um, you want to go get your boobs done because your boobs aren't big enough and you're not happy with yourself. That's no one else's business. Like, that's up to you if you want to do that. But I think the problem is, is that actually a certain look um, has become the norm for how... Yeah, like, to show their best how, side. how uh, primped and uh, groomed and polished women have to look. And actually, when it's got to that point where actually you're, you've got, like, young teenage girls who are, who are, like, wearing more makeup than I have ever worn in my life and are kind of utterly obsessed with their appearance to the extent that they're, they're feeling the need to do an earphones test to show how small their waist is, you kind of have to wonder, well, I, we've crossed a line somewhere. So that, for me, I feel like is a real dark side to social media because I think it doesn't... I feel like there's not enough... Um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? Um, transparency. Not enough transparency, but I think also there's not enough um, of uh, variation to, to what you're seeing. So you're not seeing enough influences who are just kind of like, I'm just going to be myself. And uh, yeah, I'm having a shit day and my skin is crap and this is and look no one wants to put pictures up of them where they're where, especially in a public eye where, where they're gonna have people going oh she's a dog um like do you know what i mean because you're always going to get people who troll you and say oh you're rough or you're fat or you're this but then that's another side of dark side to social media because actually um people have i was talking to my husband about this the other night that actually um where technology has become so so a part of our lives that we are so kind of computer-based people feel like they can get away with saying anything there's a lot more nastiness because you've got all these kind of as they're called keyboard warriors who can you know they will just say anything and there's no um because there's no regulations really about it they can say whatever they like they can say the nastiest things to people and there's absolutely zero repercussions if you were to to kind of do that to somebody face to face there is no way you'd get away with that level of kind of vitriol and hatred. Um, no, because I'm no, but I, but I'm pretty sure there's laws that actually prevent you from, from you know, it would be seen as a form of abuse. But when it's online, it's not vetted in the same way because you can't because the 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 sheer size of the internet is just Im almost impossible to vet and to police, and it's kind of gone beyond our control. I think. And everyone's answer to this sort of thing is like, okay, well, if you don't want the comments, um, don't put yourself up there. Don't, don't, don't share your life. It's what you should expect. Um, particularly, I think, and I think it's always worse with women. Um, I read an article quite uh, recently, actually, that was really, really illuminating because it was about the mental health of a few different celebrities who were quite well known in the in the, the noughties. So I think it came out of that Britney Spears documentary that was made where um, you see her being interviewed by Diane Sawyer in America and she's basically reduced to tears by her. And, uh, you know, even the chauvinism that's coming from a female interviewer, a female host, was just unbelievable. But because we had this access, because I think it was only kind of late 90s where the internet really became a thing that people had in their ha homes so and then the, then in the noughties you had this huge influx of online media in the form of blogs like Perez Hilton who would write horrible stories about people who would slag off celebrities um, then you've got tmz.com as well which was another one I think they were the first website that um that reported that Michael Jackson had died. Like they're a huge, huge gossip website. Um, and even now you've got like dailymail.com, which is just evil. Um, but the amount, I mean, just the amount of, it, but it's all this um, kind of um, chauvinism that came out. And it always seemed to be, in, especially in the noughties, female celebrities who were targeted. So Lindsay Lohan, um, Paris Hilton, um, Britney Spears, that was the examples that were given, but it was the, the, the way that people spoke to them. So there was somebody, I think it was David Letterman, there was an interview that he did with Paris Hilton, and he kept asking her questions about her time in prison, and she said, I don't want to talk about it when she went on the show, but he just kept pushing and pushing, and she even said on the show, I don't want to talk about this, and he just kept saying, yeah, but I do. So then just push and push and push, and because there was, there was all this... Um, it's like a feeding frenzy. I think it's, it's bullying, isn't it? But that, that obviously came about with the rise of the internet. And obviously, 
um, these people were successful because the general public or the people who were reading these articles, this was all being eaten up. There was no one saying to these news outlets, you can't do this, this is appalling, you're being awful to these women. It seemed to particularly be women that they were after tearing down. Um, and, And actually you know there was never anything done about it but it's only when you look back now and you see some of the interviews that happened or and the the whole obsession that the paparazzi had with upskirting you know every time like Lindsay Lohan when she got out of that car and they were taking photographs you know up her up her skirt oh she's not wearing any knickers it's like who wants to see that um so so that I think it kind of kind of goes hand in hand a bit really I wonder why. I wonder why is it why is it always the females that are targeted? Or is it just because we know? It's just because we know about it. It's uh, yeah. It's really difficult to know whether it's. I mean, it seems to be this kind of terrible kind of chauvinism, and I think it plays into the concept of you know they're easy. We're seen as an easier target, um, more emotional. If they're saying. I don't want to talk about this and they're trying to draw a line in the sand and saying I don't want to but then that's not respected and actually I think the same kind of situation played out with Piers Morgan and um and Megan where he said after the interview that she did with Oprah I don't believe her I don't believe that she's suicidal it's the not taking um it's not taking her her feelings seriously um and actually I think you know it's incredibly dangerous somebody with his platform to be saying things like that. He should, I, when I saw that, I, I was like, I was just sitting there going, oh my gosh, if you were my neighbour, the things I would put through your letterbox, it's just <laughs> like, it's just, <laughs> it's disgust. Like, I don't understand how someone can say that. I think the problem is people think they can just, oh, I don't know how to say it. People think that, they they have a right to um, judge somebody's life. Like when I when I heard that, I just thought, who are you to say that? Sh- what she's like the boy that cried wolf. Like it's not real. Who like who are you? And who are you in any position to even to even judge? Do you know? Is it because you're a man? And it's because she's a woman? And it's like okay, if a woman is um, if a woman says something's wrong or a woman is a bit emotional, she cries too much, everything's down to that, oh, it's a woman, she's just being a bit dramatic, or she's she's over-emotional, it must be her hormones, it must be, you know, as a species, we are seen to always be the species that leans towards that, so it's almost like it's a good a good um, excuse or good reason f- for anything we say or feel. I think it's, I, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think... Um... There does always seem to be that when women speak out about how they are feeling, especially if it's something like I'm, I'm having suicidal thoughts, there's a real tendency um, for people to say, oh, you're just being melodramatic. Um, speak, and speaking as someone who's had those kind of thoughts myself several years ago, but I reached a point in life where that's how I started feeling and I started feeling, well, is, you know, would it be easier not to be here? And actually, I didn't really tell anybody. I kind of knew, I was lucky enough to be one of those people that I knew that when I reached that point, something had to change. But had I told somebody and then been, had them go to me, oh, you're just being melodramatic, don't be so stupid, you're just doing that for attention, 
I can't even begin to think about how detrimental that would have been. That would have made me close up on myself. And actually, if there's, if it's somebody who's not lucky enough to have a point where they go, actually, I need to change something, or they're unable to change something because of circumstances outside of their control, you telling them that what they're feeling is not valid is incredibly dangerous. Um, and yeah, for somebody in a, in a, yeah, especially somebody who or who's um, who works for a channel that was really involved in a a real kind of um, a very public, a very public mental health drive. I think in the wake of Caroline Flack's death, I believe it was. Oh, be kind to um, campaign. You just kind of yeah. think, you know, what what is going on here? And I just feel like to me. I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but I do feel that actually Piers Morgan reacting like that was the behaviour of a bitter man who was angry that he'd been ghosted by a girl um, who maybe went for a, maybe went for a drink with him and just thought, yeah, well, it was nice enough, but you know, maybe he thought they'd gotten better than they did and were going to be friends for life, and and she kind of thought, well, yeah, it was all right, but actually. <laughs> Yeah, he did. He didn't like the fact that she aired him and was just like, you know what, I'm not interested in a, in a friendship or anything with you. Um, and it hurt his ego, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think that that's where his real, a real sense of kind of wounded ego and this real sense of male entitlement that oh, we went for a drink. So then that means what I want it to mean. It's really childish. Very, very childish. Like it's really childish childish bitter yeah even even from from her side or anyone in that position like you said like you feel it you you feel it you're going through it but then to actually have the courage to be like you know what I'm gonna tell someone I'm gonna speak up about it that in itself is such a big thing to go and to be able to open up and just reveal and say you know what I feel vulnerable I haven't been feeling myself I've been feeling like I want to hurt myself. Um, that takes courage. And then, like you said, for someone to turn around and go, oh, no, mate, you're just having a bad day. Or to be told you're just being silly. Like you said, you can either close up or, if anything, it will make you feel those emotions even more. You'll feel more alone. You'll feel more hate for yourself because you'll sit there thinking, am I being silly? If this person has said that my emotions are not valid, that there's something wrong with me then. There must be something wrong with me. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. I think it's really, really damaging. And actually, we have to be really careful um, what we say to people who are in really vulnerable positions. So that's something that we all need to take on board, I think. Um, oh, you know, something we all should have been taking on board anyway, but I think something that people need to be especially aware of particularly um after the year we've all had i think everyone's mental health is probably going to be a little bit more delicate so that brings our first podcast to a close this is part one of mental health in 2020 2021 um, there will be a second part to this podcast which we will bring you um, in the not too distant future but in the meantime all there is left to say is thank you so much for listening and this is female if you or anyone you know is struggling and needs someone to talk to, call the Samaritans on 116 123 now.